Hey everyone, welcome back to Money on a Mission Season 1. Today's Episode 5 and we're talking about stewardship versus ownership. Let's get started. With all the challenges money brings, how can we manage our finances in a way that aligns with our values? To answer this question, I've looked to mentors, books, and most importantly, the Bible. Join me as we seek to glorify God and love others in the way we manage our finances. This is Money on a Mission. All right, welcome back. We have a fun one today, guys. We're talking about a concept that is fundamental to the understanding of biblical finances, and that's the difference between stewardship and ownership. Ownership refers to exclusive rights, control, or possession of something. And this is often what our society focuses on, especially with regard to money. We talk all the time about assets versus liabilities and net worth and portfolios and all the things that we own. But in reality, the Bible teaches us a different concept, and that's stewardship. This refers to responsible supervision, planning, and management of something entrusted to one's care. So the difference here is recognizing who owns the property or the things or the money that we manage and supervise. What we're going to find in looking at all these verses that we have planned for today is that when we often think that we own money, in reality, our job is to steward money that God owns. So to dig into this, let's start with the first concept and recognize that God gives. We need to see that blessing and riches really come from him and not from us or from anything else. So the first verse I want to look at is Proverbs 10.22. It says, the blessing of the Lord makes rich. Next, 1 Samuel 2.7. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. So it's God who blesses and provides, and he can do it regardless of our own efforts. Let's look at Joshua 24, verse 13. I gave you a land on which you had not labored, and cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. Some people are listening and saying, Amen, God blesses me far more than I deserve. But others are probably thinking, Well, yeah, but give me some credit here. I work really hard to earn what I earn. And that's probably true. But let's look at Deuteronomy 8, verse 17 through 18. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Let's also look at Isaiah 48, 17. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. God wants us to work hard, and he wants us to play an active role in his plan for our lives, especially in the ways that we provide value to others, which often leads to gaining profit for ourselves. In fact, in a couple episodes, we're going to talk about a ton of different verses all about working hard and pursuing success and making a difference for him. So these verses aren't about saying, oh, it's up to God. It's not up to me. He does all the work. It's really saying, The result is up to God and not up to me, so he gets all the credit. Even though we do the work and we put in our efforts and our talents and our abilities into serving him and serving others through the work that we do, he's the one who teaches us 
to gain wealth. And he's the one who leads us in the way we should go. So he's the one who should get the credit for the things that we earn. This all goes back to humility, which is one of the things that we talked about last time in the episode about things more valuable than money. Pride wants us to take credit for our work and for the results, but humility allows us to pour ourselves out into God's plan for our lives, work incredibly hard, but still give all the glory and all the credit to Him. So the point to recognize here is that it is God who gives. Okay, the next concept we want to look at is the fact that God can also take away. And this isn't a threat or something that God ever hangs over our heads. It's not his desire to take. He's a giver and a giver of good gifts. But it is incredibly important to remember that he can take as easily as he can give. Not because he would want to necessarily, but to know that he has the authority to. Because he can do anything in accordance with his will. Let's look at a few examples. The book of Jeremiah includes a ton of amazing revelations from the Lord and promises of the new covenant, the return from captivity, and the coming of the Messiah. But it also includes a ton of rebuke for the sin of Israel. And one of the things that God does to bring the people back to repentance is take away their wealth. Jeremiah fifteen thirteen says, Your wealth and your treasures I will give as spoil, without price, for all your sins, throughout all your territory. And then chapter 17, verse 3, Your wealth and all your treasures I will give for spoil, as the price of your high places for sin throughout all your territory. And then we see the same thing in the book of Ezekiel, when the prophet rebukes the sin of the nations surrounding Israel. One in particular that he calls out is the nation of Egypt saying in Ezekiel 29:19, Behold, I will give the land of Egypt to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall carry off its wealth and despoil it and plunder it. Then later in chapter 30, verse 10, Thus says the Lord God, I will put an end to the wealth of Egypt by the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And we find a third example also in Ezekiel in chapters 26 and 27 regarding the city of Tyre. In all these examples, God isn't just taking because he feels like it. He takes their wealth as a punishment for sin and as a way to bring them back to repentance. We've talked before about how the love of money can lead us away from God by becoming a master and choking out the word. So God is simply removing that temptation to save the people. The point here is that God has the authority to take money just as he has the authority to give it. And again, it's not something that God wants to do. This episode isn't about how God will take away your money. It's just about recognizing that he can give and he can take. Okay, so if God can give and God can take away, that leads us to the main point here. And that is that all money belongs to God. Let's look at four verses here. First Chronicles 29, 12. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. 1 Chronicles 29, verse 16. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for the building of your house, for your holy name, comes from your hand and is all your own. Then John chapter 3, verse 2 says, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. Last, James 1, 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Everything that we have, including our money, 
is from God and belongs to God. Look back at these verses. Riches and honor come from God. All this abundance comes from God. A person can't receive unless it comes from God. Every good gift comes from God. It's all from him. It's all to him. It's all for him. It all belongs to him. Okay, so how do we respond to this? I think there's three things that we need to do. First, give God all the credit. We talked about this one earlier, but we need to recognize that it's God, not us, who gets the credit, who gets the glory for our earnings and for everything that we have. We should not boast as if we are the ones who did, who did it, who earned it, who get the credit for it. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 through 8 says, What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Or a verse that we covered last episode, Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. We shouldn't be boasting about our money or our earnings. We should be boasting about God. Look how awesome he is. Isn't it incredible that he has provided for us? He's the one who gets the credit. Okay, the second thing that I think we need to do in response to this is release our hold on money. I used to think that money belonged to God the way that a son's bike belonged to his father. Yeah, technically the father owns it because he paid for it, but come on, it's the son's size. The father can't even fit on it, so really it's the son's bike to use. And I kind of felt that way about money. Okay, sure, I'll give credit to God. It belongs to him, just like everything belongs to him, but I mean, I earned it. This was money that I'm going to use for me and for my family. So what's the big deal? In reality, what I've come to learn is that a much more accurate analogy is a financial manager. My money belongs to God the way that a financial manager's portfolio belongs to the client. The manager has a big account of assets under management, and he directs the investing and gets paid as a direct result of how big the portfolio is. But the money isn't the manager's, it's the client's. And the client could come at any time and withdraw some or all of it. It could be under any circumstance. The client could come and say, you haven't done a good job. I'd like to take all of this out of the account and move it somewhere else. Or he could come and say, you've done a great job. Thank you. But I now have something that I would like to do with this money. So I'd like to take it out and go use it. And obviously this is completely acceptable because it belongs to the client. I think this analogy is much more accurate in understanding our role with our money. God is the one who gives it and trusts us to manage it, but he can take withdrawals whenever he wants. It's his. So the third thing that we need to do in response to this is manage it incredibly well. But that's exactly what we're doing together through this podcast, reading the word, learning how God wants us to manage his money and applying it in every way that we can. It's one thing to manage money that's mine, because if I do well, great, but if I do poorly, then, well, I really only cost myself a loss. But if we recognize that it's God's, it really ups the stakes in my mind. I'm more motivated to manage it well, and more motivated to not manage it poorly, because I'm not just letting down my own wallet, I'm letting down the God of the universe who trusted me to manage it. Let's look at two different parables that Jesus taught to show the difference between managing it well or not managing it well. In both of these examples, Jesus uses money as a metaphor for the kingdom of God. He starts out by saying something like, the kingdom of God is like, and goes on with these stories. 
So they're not actually intended to be specifically or exclusively about money, but I do think he uses money for a reason. Because while we should apply these lessons towards the handling of our spiritual gifts and truth and salvation, we can also apply the lessons to the handling of our money. So the first example is someone who does not do a good job. Look at Luke chapter 20, verses 9 through 16. Jesus began to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard and lent it out to tenants and went into another country for a long while. When the time came, he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent another servant, but they also beat and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. He sent yet a third, this one also they wounded and cast out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Let us kill him so that the inheritance may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. Or the way that this parable ends as written in the book of Matthew says, Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruit. So the servants who are appointed to manage the master's vineyard begin to think that it's their own and they're not willing to give back the fruit when the master sends for it. So as a result, they are destroyed and the vineyard is taken away from them and given to others who will manage it better. Contrast this with the example of someone who does manage their possessions well. Luke 12 verse 42, And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager, whom his servant will set over his household, to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is the servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. In this case, the servant knows his role as manager and as steward rather than as owner. So he's willing to give out the portions of food at the proper time. He's both praised by his master and rewarded with more to manage. That's how I want to manage, and I think how we all should want to manage, the money that is in our lives. It's God's, and it's up to us to manage it well by recognizing that it belongs to Him. Understanding this role of steward as opposed to owner is so crucial. Everything that we've dug into so far and everything that we're going to dig into later on becomes so much easier when we let go of our pride let go of our desire to own and control everything and recognize that it all belongs to him. And when we do that, managing money is not a stressful thing that we need to do to feed ourselves, but something that we do to honor him. For me, that's more motivating, that's more exciting, and it gives me a passion to do it well, as opposed to just a pressure. He wants us to do well. We're doing it together and we can learn by reading his word. If it all belongs to God, we just need to seek his will and not our own. Once we dig into some of the specifics of how much to give, how much to save, and what to do with how we spend, it becomes so much easier when we recognize that we're doing it with God's money, so it's easy to do it in accordance with God's will. And that's why I think this lesson is so important. We are stewards, not owners. With that, let's wrap up this episode, and I'll see you guys next time. For more from Money on a Mission, Make sure you subscribe so you get the new episodes whenever they launch. And if you think it's worth it, add a rating and a review.
Next, head to the website, moneyonamissionpodcast.com. You can find show notes where I list all the Bible verses that are on this topic, not just the ones we covered in the show. There's also a place on the website to enter your email address so you can join the newsletter. Third, I'd love to engage with you on Instagram. My username is Ned Kingman. Like and comment, and then shoot me a direct message if you have any questions or topics you'd like covered on the show. Finally, and most importantly, please share this podcast. I mean it, you guys. This is the way that we impact more people, by you sharing what you've learned. If you've gotten any value out of this episode or think this podcast can provide value to anyone you know, hit the share button in your podcast app, text this episode to a friend, or send them a link to the website. Let's work together to make sure we can impact as many people as possible and change the way our generation manages money. I hope and I pray that you've been blessed through this episode. I can't wait to see you next time. Until then, glorify God, love others, and always manage your money on a mission.